The Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 445 for December 14th, 2014. Bringing the driver's license into the 21st century with a smartphone application, T-Mobile slashes rates on unlimited plans, and how to buy a used smartphone without getting burned by the bands. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Kappas. Brought to you each week by the Cell Phone Junkie podcast application, available now for Android, iOS, and Windows Phone 8 for $1.99. Well, first this week, while not generally thought of as a technologically innovative state, Iowa has recently introduced a major update to its state's driver's license. As reported by the Des Moines Register, Iowa plans to offer official driver's licenses as smartphone applications starting sometime in 2015. Citizens will still be able to have a standard card-style license, but it doesn't sound like that will be a requirement. They say it's basically a license on your phone, and while it's not clear yet as to which platforms will be supported, the images that they're showing off in the press release show an application running on an iPhone, though, of course, an Android app is likely as well. And, you know, if you think about it, this is just kind of the next, you know, the next step in the digital wallet and having all this information on your phone. Obviously, services like Google Wallet and now Apple Pay are allowing us to pay easier uh, with our phones. And uh, there's things like insurance cards that you carry around, I'm sure. And a lot of states are now allowing you to have a digital version of your insurance card. Uh, California happens to be one of them. It's very nice. So it's just a matter of time before we see things like licenses. And there's another thing that actually, you know, yes, uh, with the 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 non-convenience of a card aspect, but also then there's the flip side, like with the advantages we get with Apple Pay, it's then private. Think about it. Somebody can't just rummage through your wallet and see your name and your address and everything. You would have to unlock your phone to see that information. So there is actually a positive uh, flip side to that as well. I can see something like NFC using that information as well. So as someone is looking to verify what's going on with an, an ID, all you have to do is just like Apple Pay, it verifies your credit card information. You put the phone up to uh, a receiver of sorts and it transmits the information and then they can verify things nice and quickly. Uh, it certainly takes away the, uh, you know, kind of the ambiguity of a piece of plastic that could show official information or forged information. Exactly. Uh, speaking of Apple, I, I used that like uh, four or five times this week. Yeah, you know what? It's interesting. I've been using it a little bit more as well. Um, I finally got my first transaction uh, on Apple Pay about two, three weeks ago. And then just kind of ever since then, I've been just on the lookout for it at different places. Um, and, you know, there are some places where it's apparent and there's some that are not. Uh, I was at Whole Foods a couple of weeks ago and they've got these big signs out there and, you know, it's doing all sorts of stuff, uh, you know, to promote it and whatnot. But uh, I was then at a container store and they had the ability to do it, but the service wasn't working on their terminals. So um, I've used it a couple of different times, though, and it seems to work uh, nice. You do have to, uh, you know, hold the phone uh, there for a little bit. Sometimes if you, you put it down and then you put your finger on it and you pull it away too quick, it'll, it may not work, but generally it works out pretty well. Yeah. And you don't, and what I've kind of found surprising is you don't have to have them, uh, the register doesn't have the total yet. You can do it before they finished ringing up items and it still uh, does the transaction. And at Whole Foods, it was weird because that happens to be one of the places that at this week, I had to hit a button on the thing to, to not put a pin in, which was mm. odd. And, and I haven't seen that previously. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I saw that as well. I think it was um, it asked for a debit or credit and I just didn't even answer it. I just put up the phone to it. And I think it was that I probably said, do you want to put in a pin or something like that? So anyway, uh, it is uh, it is very interesting, very convenient. Um, I would definitely uh, is, again, not the first state I would have thought of that would have done this. But I guess uh, either way, uh, hopefully they've got the resources to handle it. And so we'll be watching closely here as I think this is a very exciting thing to be able to do uh, and uh, accept payments um, is just the first kind of 
thing with uh, with NFC, and now we'll see driver's licenses and perhaps other things as well going through the NFC functionality on the phone. So very exciting stuff there. AT&T this week saying its voiceover LTE service is now available in an expanded number of markets around the country. AT&T first deployed voiceover LTE in a limited number of Midwestern cities earlier this year. Since then, it has been testing voiceover LTE and believes the service is performing well. Voiceover LTE and HD voice are now in select areas in the District of Columbia, as well as portions of Georgia, Illinois, Indiana, Maryland, Michigan, Minnesota, Nevada, North Carolina, Ohio, Oregon, Pennsylvania, South Carolina, Texas, Utah, Virginia, Washington, and Wisconsin. VoiceOver LTE requires compatible handsets and LTE coverage for both parties. AT&T reiterated that it is working to expand the VoiceOver LTE into new markets and expects to eventually offer intercarrier LTE service with Verizon and other network operators next year. All I know is uh, VoiceOver LTE came in handy uh, this week because I was driving. Somebody called me. It was it was an important call, which generally I don't really want to answer while I'm driving. But it was at the same time uh, getting navigation because I was in a difficult spot and I uh, had to reroute. So I was able to get data. And of course, people were text messaging me at the same time uh, through iMessage. So all of that was working because uh, it was on VoiceOver LTE. And all of you T-Mobile and AT&T customers just laugh at us that we're now ex- excited about this after many years of using it. But either way, yes, I totally agree. Uh, and not to mention the sound quality difference, I think, is just absolutely fantastic when you happen to find somebody that you're talking to that uh, that is also using a compatible device and you get that enhanced voice quality. Exactly. I just talked to my sister. Uh, she called me and she asked me, uh, why do you sound so clear? And, uh, you know, I had a, I actually had an answer for her. And you, you talked about how the enhanced voice codec that's offered over voice LTE and her eyes just glazed over, I'm sure. Uh, completely. Anyway, it's very exciting stuff for those uh, that get to use it. It's, it's very good. Uh, next up, T-Mobile this week it brought back several planned promotions for families. Beginning on December 10th, customers can now get unlimited talk and text and 4G data for $100 a month for two lines of service. A family of four can share unlimited everything for $180 a month. That's only $40 per line in addition. The promotion will be available for a limited time, but once signed up, customers can keep it indefinitely. T-Mobile said it's also offering its 10 gigs of shared data for four lines. That's 2.5 gigs per line per month, plus unlimited voice and data for the same $100 per month. The second promotional plan offers the extra data allotment until January of 2016, after which the 10 gigs will be reduced down to four gigabytes per month. So keep this in mind if you're looking to make a switch this holiday season and you're a a two smartphone line family, the typical uh, unlimited voice text and data plan that they have, I believe is $79 a month. So you're actually getting a very good deal here. Two lines of service, unlimited everything, $50 a month for each line. Uh, That certainly is, uh, is, is a plan you probably can't beat anywhere else. So check them out if you're interested in making the move over to T Mobile. And finally, in news, Ting, which is a Sprint MVNO, announced this week that it has plans to expand its service in 2015 by adding support for GSM devices. Beginning in February, anyone with an unlocked GSM handset will be able to sign up for Ting service. Customers will be able to have both CDMA and GSM handsets active on the same account, even though the phones are running on two different networks. Ting did not name a GSM network partner, but based on the coverage map, it is likely to be T-Mobile. Well, no device news this week, so jumping into software, 
software starting it out. Uh, Apple introduced two-factor authentication in early 2013 in order to, of course, provide additional security for Apple IDs. The system requires a user to have a second trusted device that is used to verify the user's identity in addition to an extra security code called the recovery key. However, the recovery key also has the potential and completely unintended side effect to lock a person out of their account if they've been hacked. So this comes to us from the next web's Owen uh, Owen Williams, who's uh, had someone try to attack his his iCloud account, and Apple's two-factor authentication kicked in and locked the account, denying hen- entry into it by the hacker, but it also denied entry to Williams. So he went to I Forgot, which is Apple's account recovery service, and assumed two of his uh, passwords, recovery key, and a trusted device would then unlock the account. He was also led to believe that, and with an Apple support document, that uh, when you had when you go into this process, um, the they discovered there's no way to reactivate your account once it's been locked out without that recovery key. And uh, this is an interesting thing to note because you cannot use another device once the account has been locked because of this type of activity. So you may have, I want to, we'll get into the rest of this year, but I want to kind of talk about what that means. So if today you go and do something like activate a new device, uh, it will ask, and you've got two-factor authentication set up, it will ask you to authenticate that device with another device that you already own or, or your, your cell phone number it'll text you if that's what you want it to do if uh in that case it's really easy to do it just sends a message you get the number and you type it in and you're, you're moving on in in this case here for williams he had his account locked and so that's the key difference here is that it's not just a two-factor authentication but it's a locked account and you're trying to authenticate so that's where this recovery key comes into play very interesting thing it is, and it's uh, you know obviously simple to, to 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 grab for yourself, and uh, I would recommend storing that in something like a Dropbox, maybe, but uh, you may not want to have that because if they get a hold of some of your other credentials, they may be able to get access to your Dropbox. So you have to kind of think that through on where it, it's best for you to keep that at, and and maybe even kind of using a third party mail service, mail email that file to yourself to to a, an account you don't use or don't have your password recorded anywhere else. Uh, could be a place to keep it. So you have to kind of kind of consider that. And in the case of Williams, he had recently moved and uh, he'd put the pl- a piece of paper that had the recovery key on it in a safe place. He just had no idea where that safe place was because he had just moved. So um, anyway, so so Williams is saying that he had this screenshot and had printed it out. And also he had a photo of it on his iPhone as a backup as well. But of course, if you think about this, how difficult this is, it's not very easy to find a photo. If, if I, I do this all the time where I'm trying to figure out, uh, you know, I, I took a picture of something at some point. I remember the context of it. I remember all this stuff. I may remember member a month or I might not. Uh, but either way, it's very hard to go back and find photos. And so I've started a actually a process as an aside here where I now take my photos and, and in groups of stuff that I think I'm ever going to want to reference again and upload in them into separate Evernote folders. Uh, or I guess notebooks is what they're called. And, and then I label them with all sorts of information, uh, tags and stuff like that so that I can find them if I ever need them again. So something interesting just to, to consider with that. But anyway, he so he had taken a picture with his uh, or a screenshot with his iPhone. He could could not find that either. Um, so anyway, he called Apple customer support, told them he had forfeited um, his Apple ID, or that they basically told him that he had forfeited his Apple ID by losing that recovery key, and there is no way Apple could help him. So after a couple more days talking to customer support, even friends he has that worked at Apple, uh, he continued to receive the same responses. He was locked out of the account due to someone trying to hack it and could not unlock it, even with uh, those uh, two-factor authentications, without the recovery key, uh, even though Apple support document says it is possible to do so with a trusted device. 
Uh, apparently, though, at the end of the day, eventually Williams located his recovery key in one of his time machine backups, and that allowed him to finally unlock the account. But a uh, good, uh, good something here to remember if you happen to use this, which I do, and this was a good reminder for me. So I went back in and took a look and found my recovery key, so I know where it is, and so I'm ready to go if this ever happens to me. Uh, but it's just uh, you know an interesting tale here of something that happens so that uh, you don't doesn't happen to you. So I- interesting stuff there. Did definitely want to share that. Next up, Google on Google on Thursday updating it's a Google search for iOS devices, refreshing the application with its material design language and also optimizing it for the iPhone 6 and iPhone 6 Plus. As far as new features go, iOS users will be able to see their most recently viewed pages more easily, start new searches with a single tap, tap thanks to a new search button, and explore nearby places and points of interest thanks to Google Maps integration. Of course, the software is free to download and use on all iOS devices. Google this week releasing an update to its Hangouts application for Android devices. This provides a number of new capabilities to the messaging service on mobile. Hangouts now offers a new searching function, making uh, finding contacts easier. Conversations will display a last seen marker to make users' availability more apparent. The app gains new filters for video chats, including sepia, black and white, and vignette. Google added 16 sticker packs to the application, making it easier to share location data and discovering nearby points of interest for potential real-life meetups. Hangouts is free to download from the Google Play Store. BlackBerry on Friday releasing BBM 2.6 for Android and iOS, as well as its own BlackBerry platform. All three versions of the app gain new features, including support for stickers. What's up with the stickers this week? Anyway, group chats and a 60-second option for time chats. The Android version of BBM adds Android 5.0 Lollipop support and landscape mode support. BBM and iOS 8 both add compatibility for the uh, iOS 6 and 6 Plus screens. BBM for BlackBerry lets users share multiple pictures and attachments at the same time. 2.6, a free download on all platforms. Forms. In OS updates, Apple on Tuesday releasing iOS 8.1.2. This is a minor update, albeit what you may have read elsewhere. Only bug fixes and addressing a problem where ringtone purchases through the iTunes store were removed from devices. The over-the-air update is less than 30 megs. Apparently there were some stories floating around this week that uh, 8.1.2, people were confusing it for 8.2 uh, and thought that it was actually something that was bringing in all sorts of other new features, including iWatch support and all that. No, this is just a bug fix update and can be downloaded very easily. You're not going to see really any changes from this. Finally, Verizon Wireless said that it's delivering an update to the Droid Turbo this week, adding voice over LTE support and voice over and data at the same time capabilities. The update is being pushed out gradually to all users. Questions and comments this week. First up is a question from John. He says, Mickey and Joey, I have an HTC One that I purchased new in May of 2013. A week ago, I tried to plug in headphones and they were not recognized. The headphones worked on another device so it is not them and the headphone jack is working was working on the phone the week before this issue started i looked online found all sorts of different solutions on how to clean it but was wondering if either of you had personally cleaned out a headphone jack before and what you recommend to use it thank you very much john well uh, John, first thing here, just a quick disclaimer that anything you try, any of the techniques we're talking about here are at your own risk. Of course, we're not responsible for any damage based on these. That said, one of the first things I would try would be to plug in and unplug a pair of headphones half a dozen times or so into the jack. I cannot tell you how many times I've solved headphone jack issues on smartphones just by doing this. And and you can you can just plug it in, unplug it, plug it in, unplug it, and do that a bunch of times, and it'll occasionally will solve this issue. Like I said, I've, I've solved dozens of issues for not only 
my devices, but others as well. It's crazy how that somehow figures it out. So um, for the actual cleaning itself, uh, if there's something down in there, a foreign object down in the jack, uh, compressed air is my personal favorite. That'll hopefully you know push out anything that's in there. You may actually need to use something a little bit uh, more forceful, like a paper clip or a needle if there's fuzz or sometime something down there stuck way down inside. Um, I one time found a tiny fly in the charging port uh, of my device. I had to use a paper clip actually to extract it. That took a little while to do, but I eventually got it out. Um, if you've got any sort of gunk or goo in there, uh, the only liquid that you'd want to use would be alcohol, but keep that light just like a drop of it on the end of a Q-tip. So yeah, I'd recommend the uh, compressed air, but also if you if maybe if you don't have rubbing alcohol handy and something that's actually maybe a little bit safer to use is uh, it's a chemical called deoxit. And it's a, it's comes in a spray can, and I wouldn't really recommend spraying it in there directly, but maybe spraying it onto another, uh, actually even onto a headphone, uh, you know, plug itself, and then put it in there and try to work it a few times, or use like a yeah a tiny Q-tip or something like that where you can really get in there uh, and and kind of wipe it around, and 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 if you're still having trouble, you may want to just actually spray a shot in because sometimes headphone jacks actually have um an internal switch to 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 the that actually it's a physical switch by the movement of the plug physically in there that tells you whether that tells the phone whether or not there's uh something plugged in or not and that also can become gummed up and that you actually if you just uh plug something in and out may not free that particular problem up and if the phone doesn't detect there's headphones plugged into it it won't actually ever you know put sound to the jack yeah, interesting. So, I mean, there there are a couple of different things here that we're talking about. Joey's got a very different, you know, kind of approach to it. But, um, you know, my guess is with these devices, with the holes on the bottom of them, you know, you're putting it generally into your pocket. If you happen to wear jeans a lot or any cotton-based type of pants, you can get a lot of fuzz and stuff that goes in there. Not as much of a problem with polyester, but, uh, but again, jeans are really the culprit that I see this a lot with. So um, just a couple of recommendations there. Good luck to you on that one, John. Next up here is a question from Matt, and he says, Mickey and Joey, I've been looking for to getting a smartphone since they became commonplace, but the contract cost has always been prohibitively high for me. I've been using a track phone basic phone instead since it's a great value for my low usage. I recently heard that track phone offers a bring your own phone program where you can transfer your number and account to it, among other devices, a non- CD or non LTE used CDMA Verizon iPhone. So basically a Verizon iPhone four or four S are the most recent uh, supported models there. Uh, so he says, the question is, have either of you heard anything about the plans? They sound too good to be true. I wanted to consult with you guys with though, before jumping in. Thanks as always. Keep up the excellent show, Matt. All right. Well, Thanks for the question, Matt. Yes, the plans are definitely great. Uh, so here's just a little uh, little history on what these are for those that may not know. Twenty bucks, uh, twenty dollar refill that is, gives you 180 minutes plus 180 texts plus 180 megs of data, and that's all good for 90 days. So when you add more money, or uh, when you add more money, unused minutes, texts, and data will roll over, and you'll get added get added to the total available for the new plan period. So um, there's also something called the triple triple, assuming that you get all three buckets at an equal rate. The price per minute text and meg ranges from anywhere from 3.7 cents down to down to two cents, depending on how much you choose to load on there. So there's a lot of different options here. This is definitely one of those types of plans for those that are, you know, watching the dollars really close. 
and I have a family member that uses TrackPhone, has for years, has absolutely no complaints with it. I've used it numerous times for uh, somewhat short periods of times, but I've talked to their customer service a uh, number of occasions because I was doing number ports in and out, and they're very helpful and uh, quick to get the, the stuff taken care of. So I would actually uh, have no reservations about using them as a carrier. The only uh, hesitancy that I would have would be the, the, the hardware that you're talking about here. Um, if you can find something that uh, a device that looks to be in good condition and you know the battery is in good condition, the screen and all of that, um, you know, potentially, you know, all of those those things, plus uh, the fact that you're not going to be loading a lot of stuff on there, because that's the other thing with this is it's you're probably not going to find one that's got a lot of size on it, um, a lot of space on it, that is. And uh, so anyway, just keep all that in mind, because it is a relatively old device that you may see a little slug and the responsiveness to it and whatnot. And um, it's like anything else, uh, you know, as the technology ages and the software is, is gets gets more and more robust at the, the, the performance of these older devices just continues to degrade. So keep that in mind. But otherwise, yeah, the price is going to be a pretty good uh, driving factor here. And I think your decision making is uh, probably pretty sound with this one. And uh, next up here, question from a Joseph. He says, maybe you have some insight as to why my MacBook time is different than the time on my iDevices, i.e. both my iPhone and iPad. Uh, when I have a calendar item notify me uh, of something, I first get an alert on both of my iDevices, and then about four seconds later, I get the alert on the MacBook. My MacBook syncs with the server time.apple.com. I don't know if that matters, but both AT&T and T-Mobile use GSM and uh, connect to the network-initiated time zone syncing, so and ITZ and any phone that has that compatibility will automatically get its time updated from that as part of the GSM standard. If it makes a difference, my iPhone is through T-Mobile and my iPad is through AT&T, though I've never actually used cellular data on my iPad. A few seconds, of course, is not that big of a deal, but I've always wondered what your take is on the delay between the MacBook and the iDevices. Thanks much, Joseph. So this can be kind of down to the server, like you said, but mostly it's probably just the inherent delay in the non priority that the computer actually gives to popping these notifications up and i've seen that with outlook it, it sometimes fires right away with the the exact on the second like the iphone and the ipad does but uh on the computer and even mac uh, itself for checking email and doing uh, notifications like that it really doesn't seem to give it much priority so it, it it's probably mostly in that uh, realm where it's uh, giving you that delay. But also it depends on how frequently uh, the time is being updated and how heavily you use your CPU on your uh, computer because sometimes that affects uh, the, the the actual real-time clock uh, keeping up even though usually it's in the BIOS. But I've, I've had computers, uh, especially Windows computers, where the time starts to drift if the computer or the server is actually heavily, heavily used. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, that is an interesting comment there. And, you know, I guess there's a lot of things that this could that could be playing a part of this. And, and so there's not really one clear answer. Um, I will tell you that there are times when both my iPhone and iPad are almost I mean, they're within, you know, tenths of a second or hundredths of a second uh, when they, they beep at me. And there's times when those are actually have started to drift apart as well. Um, and I will see the same thing with uh, with the alerts on the, in the computer. Um, you know, I only get, I'll just say, email uh, alerts on uh, on a work computer. I'll only get calendar alerts on a work computer, which is a Windows-based computer. It's not a Mac, um, you know, but uh, but I will see occasionally drifting on that as well. So, um, again, I guess the time sync, you know, is, is probably the biggest, uh, the biggest thing that I would say. Joey's talking about, you know, the priority as well. So there's probably a lot of different things that, that can go into this. Um, 
you know, I would say there's also some, uh, there may be some differences. Uh, there shouldn't be in that the servers that they're being synced with the time that apple.com you would hope, uh, is as, as possibly accurate up to the, you know, the split second as possible. Um, but you know, you've got the, the network initiated time zone as well that, that is syncing back to, uh, to uh, something different there. So either way, there's, there's a lot of different things here. It's kind of a, um, it, it's a, it's an, it depends type of answer, I guess is what we've got for you there, Joseph. Next up here is a question from Alex and he says, I just bought an unlocked phone from eBay. The seller says it works with T-Mobile and it has LTE. Uh, it is a LG G flex model LG L 23. And I noticed that the phone is from Japan. The AU network is where it was initially sold. And it says, uh, and it says it can support uh, T-Mobile. However, can the support, uh, the phone support T-Mobile LTE? I called T-Mobile and they told me the phone needs to work on the 1700 and 2100 bands. Uh, they asked me to contact LG support. LG told me that they only deal with US phones. When I, when I use the phone, it seems to only connect to 2G and get edge speeds. When I called T-Mobile customer service, the call actually dropped on me a couple of times. Uh, do you have any suggestions? Thanks, Alex. Well, uh, Alex, looking at the spec, on this one unfortunately it, it does not look like this device has the bands that you need for t-mobile lte uh, with t-mobile you need actually more than just what t-mobile mentioned to you uh, for specifically for the gsm and 3g bands uh, you need to have 1900 megahertz which is also known as the pcs spectrum and aws and aws is what uh, they've started to use um, as well with uh, with their with their network services and their data uh, that's mostly 1700 there's a little bit of the 2100 megahertz built into that as well, depending on uh, the download and upload, how much uh, that particular market has as far as spectrum and, and whatnot. Um, but uh, so that AWS is being used for the LTE bands. 2G GSM um, is the fastest service. Unfortunately, you're going to see here in the US with that device, just based on the bands that you have in there. Um, I was seeing some bands that we just never see with these types of devices, like 1500 megahertz was one of the bands that's in this here. And I think, I don't remember if it was 2300 or 2500 or something like that. So um, there's, as I was looking into this one, I thought, you know, yeah, this is, this is one of those things where it says, yes, this, this phone has LTE and yes, this phone will work with T-Mobile, but there's a lot of caveats for between those two statements. It doesn't mean that it will work on T-Mobile LTE. It'll work on LTE in Japan and it'll work on T-Mobile here on 2G. Uh, unfortunately, I think what you're seeing here with the, uh, uh, with, with the dropping of calls is that it, I, I, I don't believe, um, it's, well, it's probably going to depend on where you are and what they're using the spectrum for, but I, I don't believe that you're going to, uh, you're going to see, it. you'll see it using the 1900 band for the voice, uh, but it may be that the way that it, your area is set up, that that is um, not the primary band or something like that being used anymore by them. So um, th there's, there's some issues with this. So here's the thing. I, I wanted to have a quick discussion about when you buy a smartphone and you buy it unlocked and you buy it from eBay and it may not be here from the U.S., what do you need to know uh, without uh, get it, so you don't get burned by this type of issue? Um, so it, when you when you look for a device, the best way uh, to ensure that you're going to get something that's compatible is to buy a device that was originally sold by the carrier uh, that you that you're going to be using the device on. That is oftentimes not possible. And so uh, when you look at the different bands that are around, you're going to see four different bands that are used for the voice services on the GSM models. So on GSM, it's going to be um, 850, 900, 
1800 and 1900. So those four bands worldwide are what most devices use, what most networks use. I would say 98%, 99% of networks out there are going to be able to use voice and 2G data on those bands. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. The voice and 2G edge data would be the, the max for those, and that's uh, you know different from the next step. Yeah, and which is, so if you if you look at, if you want better data speeds, which of course most of us do, than 2G data, um, you're going to, this is where things diverge and diverge very quickly. Uh, the, the 3G bands that are being used and the 4G bands that are being used very widely. And so anything uh, that's coming out now generally has got 3G support that's going to work on most stuff, uh, if, especially if you buy a device that was manufactured for use here in uh, North America, or so that means Canada, Mexico, the US, or in Europe, you're going to be able to get at least 3G support. 4G, though, all bets are off. We could have a conversation for hours about the variants that are out there right now. Um, They're starting to see with the flagship devices, uh, you're starting to see the manufacturers put in support to have multiple uh, multiple countries, multiple regions of the world supported on one chip. The the iDevices are a great example of this. So whether it's iPads or iPhones, you can now buy one device and it really works on the vast majority of the networks that are out there. Um, But it's, uh, it's, it's pretty tricky when you're talking about 4G just because there's so many different different bands. Uh, I think at one point, a couple of months ago, we talked about there's like 36 different bands or 36 different chunks uh, that you can use. And and here's another thing is that even if it says it supports, let's say 700 megahertz, uh, that 700 megahertz may not be the 700 megahertz you need because you've got different swaths within that band. So it's very, very difficult. Uh, You're going to have to do a lot of research if you're going and buying a device and you want it to work on specifically on 4G. So that's just something to keep in mind. Yeah, and the documentation of the phones themselves from the manufacturers is is at best poor, and uh, and then of course it's difficult to determine what frequency bands are in your in your part of the uh, country or your part of the city even. So it's not it's not really an easy thing to do. It just isn't. It isn't. And so like the, the, I think the biggest issue that uh, that Alex has here is that he only is getting two G service, and that the, the the bands that are built into it for three G are are not working for him either. And that that's really the bummer of this because that. You know, at the very least, you'd want to see, you know, five megabits per second, and you're just not going to get it with this device. And also, of course, you know, as we talked about before, 3G on the GSM side actually handles voice calls as well. So that's when you can get simultaneous voice and data. If you're on a 3G connection, having a phone call, if you're connected to 3G and your phone supports the particular bands available to do a phone call over 3G. And that's where you get a much better quality because obviously, you know, really the, you know, the 2G GSM edge networks have been really low priority for AT&T and T-Mobile for quite a few years now. Yeah. And as, as I was talking through it, I think I, a way that I explain something here I just want to clarify so um, the the expanded network of uh, of uh, 3g and into the basically the HSPA services for t-mobile um, is is in a was deployed in a way which had um, the the 3g services initially were done on the 1700 megahertz network so keep that in mind that 1700 that's the AWS that's, the that's ban- yeah that's primary for T-Mobile they've added a bunch of 1900 supplementally like my uh, wife's uh, pre you know did not work on T-Mobile uh, 3g up until just what it was about a year and a half ago when they started deploying 1900. 
Yeah. And, you know, if, you, if you're confused, uh, you're not alone. This is not a very easy topic to explain. It really got complicated here in the last couple of years. And so it's it just it's all about having the enough spectrum and having enough bandwidth for people uh, to to use the services that they want to. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, when you're going and buying a device that's not made for that carrier, you're going to have to do the homework yourself versus buying it from the carrier. It's got all the bands that you would possibly need built into it, hopefully, uh, to uh, to take advantage of all of this. And so that's where like a two year old device, uh, i.e. like the iPhone five is an example that was sold um, on Verizon um, only had the 700 megahertz network built into it for uh, support of LTE. And over time, Verizon had bought up and started deploying additional services, uh, what they're calling now in marketing terms, XLTE, which is basically just LTE over the AWS spectrum. And they started to roll that out. And it's actually done a really good job of helping. However, if you've got an older device, you can't take advantage of it. And so you're, you're out of luck there. There's no way to add that in. There's no way to fix it. Uh, it just is what it is. So um, a lot of crazy stuff to uh, consider here. And uh, Alex, hopefully that at uh, the very least gives you a little bit of pause or if someone uh, out there is listening and they're thinking about buying a phone, gives you a little bit of pause as to how you're buying it and the types of things that you're needing to look for. Uh, but basically the process is look at the device, look at what the specs are for it, and then look at what your carrier is going to be using um, for those types of services. So on T-Mobile, you want to make sure that it's got 1900 megahertz for the GSM and edge services, and it's got 1700 megahertz uh, for uh, the 4G services. Uh, as far as the LTE bands, I can't remember off the top of my head what they are on T-Mobile, but there's a, there's a great uh, article on Wikipedia right now if you search, I think, for LTE bands, and it'll list out every band and then the, the subset that they are in there and uh, you'll be able to figure out exactly what it is. So uh, good luck with you on that one, Alex. Finally, today is a comment from Matt and he says, uh, thanks for the recommendations that you had on the last show. I've decided to try out the $50 clips S3M earphones. Overall, I'm very happy. They fit and the comfort is great and the sound quality is good. Uh, if I use the inline microphone for phone calls, the sound is not as good on the other end of the call, but the controls do work for my Nexus 4. Thanks again, Matt. Well, Matt, you're very welcome, and uh, we're glad that you were able to find something so quickly and uh, get it and test it out and that it's all working properly for you. If you have any questions or comments for us, we'd love to hear from you. Send us email to questions at thecellphonejunkie.com or give us a call to 206-203-3734, and we'll get any questions or comments that you have on a future show. Joey, thank you very much, as always, for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.